Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. An Erio's original... Hello and welcome to Web Crawlers, a podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I'm Ali Siegel, and today we have special guest host who has been like immensely patient with me as I rescheduled the first time and then had a crazy morning today. Special guest host, Sally Madden. Hello, Sally. Hi, Allie. Um, oh. Sally, sorry, I just interrupted you again. I'm No, it's okay. Casual. I just, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. So don't worry. If it makes you feel any better, I had to call somebody who lives in Nottingham, a real place, oh my God. Uh, over the weekend. And I was off um, on the time zone change by a full hour. She's oh, really, really great about that, though. So don't worry. Everyone's it's funny. Like, usually it. it's me. It's me comforting the guest host. But Sally was like, <laughs> are you okay today? Like, how are you doing? And I'm like, oh, no, this is. Oh, no. Um, Sally, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a waitress by trade. Awesome. And I also host a comics podcast. Oh, cool. With Katie Skelly. Um I'm sure that some of your true crime fan listeners will know Katie Skelly because she did a terrific graphic novel about the Papan sisters. Oh. Uh, But anyway, our show is called Thick Lines, and we only talk about comics that we like. And we don't really talk about a lot of big two comics. So if you're, it's not a lot of Marvel and DC. It's like, if you like Dan Klaus, you like Julie Doucet, you want to talk about some nasty manga, then that's like a great place to go. Amazing. We had another, we had a comic historian on. I know. Yeah. You had um, uh, Jackie Nodell. Yeah. Her name is. Yeah. She, she's awesome. She's like, romance comics are so incredibly fun. Like, cause no one 
romance comics are great because you don't have to worry that there's some scholar who's going to tell you like you don't get them right like we all we're all here for the same like Cosmo quiz that they are yeah (laughs) she's she's wonderful I should connect you guys in case you ever want to have her on um I love I love the comic book circle that's so cool I was really into x uh x-men comics which I know is different than what you're uh what both of you guys do but um yeah, I need to get back into comic books. I was also really into Archie comics. I, I had an Archie comics oh. website when I was little. Oh, like that's so Geo great. Cities or something. Oh, <laughs> my God. We're yeah. big Archie fans. Like all like American Gen X comic creators, you can yes. kind of trace it back to Archie. Like they're really? all just like copying Archie. Totally. Yeah. If you've ever, are you familiar with the series Love and Rockets? No. By the Hernandez Brothers? It's great. They're LA based. But like they, the they're great illustrators. But they also like, man, those dudes were reading a lot of Archie as kids. It's like <laughs> saturated with Archie. Like all the like the poses, the hairdos. Like it's just very Archie, which is great because we like it. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I love that you could like track the genesis of where these people all get their inspiration. That's really cool. I know we need to get into it, and I would like no, to. We have I just have one question. Yes. Here's the thing. So recently, um, you ran a re-release of your episode on the all-you-can-eat crab disaster that Red <laughs> yeah. Lobster had. A, a terrific episode that we all were so happy was brought back to our attention. Like, yeah. there, it's something for everyone. <laughs> Though, I have to ask, like, yes. you shared your appreciation for their biscuits. Yeah. What is your order at Red Lobster? Oh my God. That's such a good question. I actually switch it every time. Um, Whoa. I, and oh my God, honest, you're wild. I know. I, listen, I'm a, I'm an outlaw. Um, and I haven't been for like seven years, maybe. I bet the menu is the same though, right? I, yeah. There's no way they switch <laughs> that menu. There is no, maybe, maybe they add like one new thing every yeah. three years or like one seasonal thing. I haven't been forever. Um, Maybe that question just inspired me to go again. It's hard to find someone who wants to go to Red Lobster with you. They have to have a sense of whimsy in order to want to go to Red Lobster. So if you ever come to LA, let's go to Red Lobster. I've never been. So Red Lobster or LA? No. Uh, Both of them. Well, (laughs) haven't been. Yeah, (laughs) this is a reason to come. Yeah. Though my Uh, recording partner, Katie, does live in LA. um, So. I don't know. I don't know if she's going to the Red Lobster, though. I, I'll call her later. OK, call her and ask her and then ask her if she wants to go with me to Red Lobster. I absolutely will. because <laughs> okay. she, She's hungry. Okay, yeah, because she's hungry. <laughs> That's funny. She's going to listen to this and be like, um, I'm just like kind of hungry in a normal way. Um, no, no, she's she's pro hungry. Our discord is uh mostly thanksgiving talk right now so oh my god amazing it's, yeah it's all what's good. the name of your discord in case anyone wants to join it or whatever i don't understand how discord works really like does all that stuff i don't either i know that you have to just um i think you just send an email to us okay but it's our discord is called thick lines okay great. um and also i'm on the web crawler discord just a sally madden Okay, great. So then people can just ask you how to join it. And then mm-hmm. you yeah, I don't know how it works. Yours is easier to join than mine. So I have no idea. Good I, for you both. Thank you all <laughs> listeners for being patient. Cause listen, Melissa does everything like logistical. She like uploads everything. She edits everything. She like 
knows how to do all that stuff. And all I do is just show up and like do an episode. So thank you for everyone while like I try to do this stuff because I am a certified idiot. Um, anyways, Sally, very excited for this episode. Tell us what we will be learning about experiencing today. Okay. This episode is about Toynbee Tiles, which as far as anyone knows, started in the city where I'm from, Philadelphia. Um, If you have seen the documentary Resurrect Dead from 2011, a lot of, I got a lot of info from there. If you have not seen it, but you are absolutely planning to, this will have spoilers, just letting you know. Okay. But also you've had 11 years. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I did research for this episode that was from the work that Steve Wynick, Colin Smith, and Justin Durr, who are like the backbone of John Foy's 2011 documentary. Oh, it's called Resurrect Dead, The Mystery of the Toynbee Tiles. Mm, okay. um, Esmeralda Spalding, toynbeeidea.com, which is just like, it's a great website. The three dudes I mentioned before run it and it's black background with like green type on it. It's very web uh, 2.0. Oh my God. Um, journalist James Wiles, Wikipedia, and honestly, just eavesdropping at parties. It's gotten me tons of info. Ooh, um, I love that. I was able, I briefly interviewed Justin Durr over email. He was traveling because a friend of mine said, oh, if you're interested in Toynbee tiles, you should talk to this guy, Justin Durr. I didn't realize like, oh, he's the main person in the documentary. He's just like in the Philadelphia music scene though. So I talked to him. I had a couple of questions for him. We can get to at the end if if we're in the mood. Uh, We will definitely get into it. And also props for doing an interview. Like, like that's it. Like Melissa and I, like never we once in a lifetime actually interview people. So thank you for doing that. That's amazing. We're so privileged to actually have an interview in this episode. That's incredible. Oh, you're so welcome. (laughs) All right. So I sent you some images of these Toynbee tiles. Yes. Did they look familiar to you? Okay, they did. And I don't know if I've seen them in real life or if I watched this documentary once, but yes, they do look familiar to me. You probably have seen them. Well, especially you may have seen them in San Francisco yes, um, or in New York, not in LA as far as I know, but we'll circle back. I'll ask Katie again, uh, but they're, they're all over the world. The yeah. most are in Philadelphia, but they're all over the US. Almost every major city has them, but oh. they're also in South America. They're sprinkled around. So a hallmark of a lot of street art and its creation and display, like it tends to flourish in alleyways, like abandoned construction, hard to reach places is like a great place for a lot of street art. Yeah. Um, With like, you know, every once in a while we'll get around and see a tag crediting the artist. Good for them. (laughs) But yet there's hundreds of anonymous cut linoleum mosaic tiles in cities, like I said, all over the world. But they're often in really well-trodden areas. Like crosswalks is the number one place that I have seen them. Like they're always, there's somewhere where there's like very high traffic and there's no, there's no tag. Like there's no even nickname for the author. So these tiles started appearing between 1983 and 87 in Philadelphia. 
I love how even looking up things from 40 years ago, it's like, well, we didn't really document, like as if there's yeah. there's no written word back then. <laughs> so like no one knows. Yeah. It's uh, they have been continuously appearing as recently as this past Monday. Oh, really? Well, I'll tell I'll tell you what happened. Okay. Uh, so the tiles consist of asphalt filler on the bottom, you know, that household item we all have. Uh, <laughs> and then a linoleum tile, like not like art supply linoleum tile, like grocery store floor, like cut linoleum tile. So really oh. cheap, cheap ass stuff. Okay. And then covered with a layer of tar paper, which is just like a black sticky. It looks like asphalt. Yeah. So together they make a little like sticky a uh, tacky packet. Huh. And then once you drop the packet on the asphalt, preferably on a hot night, cars just run over it again and again. So it presses into the street and the tar paper though, like is a thin layer. Yeah. So eventually the tar paper gets ripped up, but by the time it comes off the tiles in the asphalt, like it's too late, like it's stuck there. So it's part of the road now. That's crazy. Also, because I feel like that brings like the community into the process of the art. Like it wouldn't be there without people driving over it as well. Like they're part of the implantation of like the art. Yeah, absolutely. Like it wouldn't just sink in there. Like it needs, it needs help from the outside. Yeah. Um, And the tiles are, they're like, most of the ones I've seen are like license plate sides, but they can be cafeteria tray big. There was one near city hall for a really long time. That was just gigantic. Wow. Um, like, yeah, like the sides, like bigger than a cafeteria tray probably. And they're, they're usually like, they're white with black type, but the type can be pink, blue, or yellow. They're usually, um, they're usually a message. Sometimes there's a, a little skeleton humanoid. There's one called Stickman that I see a lot. Times a peace sign, but, but like 99 times out of 100, they just contain a message reading. Toynbee idea in movie 2001, resurrect dead on planet Jupiter. What does that mean? Yeah, I'm like looking at the photos right now and the kind of things they say. That's so... Um mysterious let's figure out what it means okay toynbee idea this could refer depending on when the tile starts showing up this could refer to the 1984 ray bradbury short story the toynbee convector uh the title refers to a time machine of the same name so there's this toynbee convector and it's about a time traveler who tells a reporter he has traveled and returned from a hundred years in the future and seen the utopia humanity has created in that century. Yeah. Like everything's different by then. And then when a hundred years pass, lifespans are different in the short story than they are as we know them now. So a hundred years pass and an, a journalist goes to interview the time traveler about it. Cause the utopia like exists now, like they made the utopia. He said right. so. Um, and then the traveler reveals to the reporter that the machine he created was a hoax and he only invented it to encourage people as a goal that they would find achievable, you know? Oh, wow. Right? Good trip. (laughs) Yeah. Then he gets into another device that he refers, he tells the journalist is a real time machine, (laughs) which of course is a suicide contraption. And then- um, this story was originally published in uh, our favorite journal of science fiction, Playboy Magazine. Playboy Magazine. I will say, though, like, 
fuck Playboy like after after that whole documentary on Hugh Hefner came out. But it, the origins of Playboy magazine like actually did have some pretty interesting articles written by like esteemed writers and journalists. And then I think through time it went haywire yeah. um, into like a degradation of women magazine. But um, they did allegedly. I mean, I, I have never read it. Um and I don't hang out with people who do, but allegedly it had some. Pretty- You've never been to a sleepover? <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay, wait. But I will say, when Melissa first uh, went to LA, she would go to Playboy Mansion parties, and there's incredible photos of her at Playboy Mansion parties with Corey Feldman and like other people. I have got to know what they're serving at those parties. I'm not yeah. talking drugs and alcohol. Like, what are the crudité there? What is? Yeah. What are the past apps? Red Lobster. Oh, that see that mix. That's how you get women there. With yeah, those red lobster, cheddar bay biscuits. Yeah. All right. See now, okay. I'm kind of turning around on Playboy. If that's the yeah, exactly. Okay, continue. Yeah, there will also Playboy magazine. Like every iconic cartoonist that worked for Mad Magazine also did stuff for Playboy. Really, because Hugh Hefner wanted to be a cartoonist. And oh, I did, remember this. Right. Um, but uh, it turns out that you actually, that doesn't make as much money as publishing a sexist magazine. Of course. You know, the journey we all must travel. Wasn't he super influenced by Archie Comics as well? Didn't he kind of do like romance or I don't know if it was Archie Comics, but didn't he draw like romance comics as well? Isn't that kind of what he was drawing? I don't know, but I must find out this information as soon as we're done talking because that would be wonderful. Like he was still like, yeah, he was so into comics. Yeah. Um, I- and it was a weird time. Like the mid-century comic scene was like a, a like a very weird, creepy time because yeah. it was right. Like he started getting into it right after the comics code came into play. And the comics code was just like a list of rules saying Basically, you can't do anything fun in comics anymore. Like, you can't have too much sexual content. You can't have blood. You can't have witches. You weren't allowed to use the word weird. So he oh, probably saw funny. that and was like, well, I can't, can't like, I can't do this. Like, there's yeah. no more cleavage in comics, so I got to do something else. Oh, how interesting. I just did a quick Google, and I can't find uh, the answer to that. But um all right, we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that. We'll, we'll figure yeah, it put out. put a pin. Yeah, continue. Okay, so, all right, the timeline of the creation of the tiles and the publication of the Ray Bradbury story are, like, a little cramped. The title probably actually refers to your favorite British philosopher and historian, Arnold J. Toynbee. Love, love him. Uh, I, know, I know you're a huge fan. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind huge. of embarrassed that I'm yeah. telling you about him. I, know, I already know for, all this information, but continue. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> thank you for bearing with me. I really okay. appreciate it. Yeah. So... He's the author of such works. Allie, you can just check out for this. Yeah, I'm going to zone out. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm actually just going to read them off your bookshelf behind you. (laughs) So Genesis of Civilization, Disintegrations of Civilization, and of course, Contacts Between Civilizations in Space. Have that one memorized. I mean, I I think you're thanked in the intro of the edition I have. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. So... The backbone of the Bradbury story, which I think we can all agree would make an amazing Twilight Zone episode, um, Mm -hmm. is probably a reference to contacts between civilizations in space. That's probably more along the lines of where the Toynbee idea comes from in Toynbee Tiles. Okay, so that's the first line. Then in movie 2001, 
1968 Kubrick film um, closes with this scene that could be interpreted as a resurrection rebirth sequence when Dave sees himself dying and we watch an embryo in space. Yeah. Um, I saw the tiles like around town for a good 35 years before I watched that movie. So like how open-ended do you think that scene is? I'm about to ruin your life. I've never yeah, seen 2001 Space okay. Odyssey. Uh, Allie, I didn't see it until last year. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> it's real. It's really good. I'll I mean, if it. you can, like, I was waiting for it to come on the big screen because you know, every once in a while, some quirky theater will do that. Exactly. It's cool. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll watch um, it today, though. All right. Watch it today. And then <laughs> report back. Just, like I'll, I'll insert in like a, a a blurb in this part where it's like you you know when they like insert in things into movies and you can tell that it's like oh, way after I, the fact. Yeah, and I'll be like, I love this movie, and here's what I think. <laughs> well, it's great, but like, okay, that movie, the final scene of the movie is really kooky. Okay. Um, a word that I'm sure anyone listening loves that I'm using to describe this like yes. very high art film. Uh, it's just a lot of uh, question marks are going on at the end of the movie, let's say. And I love the idea of someone saying, no, definitively, I understand. I alone get what's going on in this sequence. You'll, yeah. you'll tell me later. Okay. okay. So, I mean, is it still reincarnation? You're... Is it, I'm into that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Is it still reincarnation if you're the same exact like human that you were before? I would say n- no. I would think that that's something else. I don't know the answer to that. I don't. I would. Mm. That's such a good question. I would say. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. That's an interesting question. I mean, I mean, just. I'm, I don't know if anyone does, so it's okay if you don't, yeah. but yeah, it's, it, you'll just, whenever you uh, get the time to see it, you'll yeah. just, I don't know if that's a re- reincarnation is. Resurrection though, sure. Okay. Resurrect dead. So love makes you crazy. Grief makes you insane. Like yeah. who hasn't had that wish? Like I get it. Like we want to bring back our loved ones. hundred percent. Um, in his writings, Toynbee said, after death, the body dissolves into its physical elements. These elements are themselves not annihilated. They are continuing to exist as parts of the physical universe, though no longer in this form. Believe that. And I feel like that's, you know, when you die, your body doesn't just vaporize into nothingness. Right. So the fact that there are technically parts, then it's like, what can we do with those bones? Yeah. I feel like it's what he's saying. Yeah. Okay. And then on planet Jupiter, we've heard of it. Um, I'm guessing Jupiter was selected because it has so much room for all of the resurrected dead that might be coming into play. Like it's 11 mm-hmm. times wider than earth. It's huge. Oh, wow. Um, like, think of a basketball versus a gumball is, like, the size difference. Oh, Jesus. But it doesn't have a ton of mass. Like, it's 100%. mostly gas. I'm not a scientist. Like, my writing has never appeared in Playboy. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't know. But it just, I feel like it would be hard for uh, resurrected humans to survive on Jupiter. But, like, well, right. you know what? We'll get the technology. Who knows? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like We'll do it. I'll keep an open mind. All right. So the tiles mostly say Toynbee idea in movie 2001, Resurrect Dead on planet Jupiter. 
But a lot of them also say, make and glue tile only by destruction of media can this movement survive. And that'll be like in a small line below the four main lines. And then my personal favorite, underneath the main four lines, it'll say, murder every journalist, I beg you, period. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Such restraint. Yeah, seriously. Okay. Um, Also, all right, obviously there's some conspiracy theory activity going on here. Yeah. And unfortunately, that often has some anti-Semitism to it. And this is no different. Yeah. Yeah. Very prevalent for today. Um, So... There's a very long tile. I can read it to you if you wish. Yeah, please do. Okay. So the really big tile I mentioned that was near City Hall, it was like two, it looked like if you've seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, or it looked like any like illustration or representation you've seen of the Ten Commandments, like two giant slabs in the sidewalk right outside City Hall. What a fuck you. Love it. Okay. But also, oh, here's something important about the tiles. So as you mentioned, the tiles need outside society to in order to be part of the you know structure but because you're depending on a source that like doesn't know it's there to embed it into the road sometimes it gets kind of like squished yeah like sometimes like there's a word missing because like like whatever is the very first or very last sometimes just gets kind of like muddled lost Yeah. yeah or it gets like warped because they didn't realize like if it's what if the tile somewhere where a lot of like heavy trucks are turning okay. it ends up being like a little curvy tile that makes sense yeah um so these were mostly legible but there's some parts that were we're going to have to just figure it out okay so this tile is from uh the late 80s or early 90s so it said and this is all caps he just so for visualization yeah John Knight, owner of the Philadelphia Inquirer, Helion Jew. I've never been oh. called that, but like, I don't know no. if I would mind, totally, <laughs> yeah. honestly. Like, it's okay. Like, there's worse stuff. I am kind of a Jewish woman from hell. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, who hated this movement's guts for years, mm. takes money from the mafia to make the mafia look good in his newspapers. So he has the mafia in his back pocket. All good info. <laughs> John Knight sent the mafia to murder me in May, 1991. Oh, okay. This isn't from the late eighties. Yeah. <laughs> There's an unreadable section. Journalists, all of them gloated to my face about my death and Knight Ritter's great power to destroy. In fact, John Knight went into Helion binge of joy. Sounds fun. Right. Over Knight Ritter's great power to destroy. I secured house with blast doors and fled the country in June, 1991. NBC attorneys, journalists, and security officials at Rockefeller Center fraudulently, unfortunately, an unlegible section. What did they do? We'll never know. Under the Freedom of Information Act, all orders of NBC executives got the U.S. Federal District Attorney's Office and got the FBI to get Interpol to establish task force that located me in Dover, England. When back home, Inquirer got union goons from their own employees' union to send down a sports journalist who, with baseball bat, bashed in the lights and windows of my neighborhood cars, as well as men outside my house. They are stationed there still, waiting for me. NBC, CBS, Group W Westinghouse, Time, Time Warner, who isn't going far to this, Fox, Universal, all of the cult of the Helion, 
Each were much worse than Knight Ritter ever was, in parentheses, mostly Helly on Jews. Oh, Jesus. When KYW and NBC executives told John Knight the whole coven gloated on how their Soviet pals had found a way to turn it into a tile ends. Sorry. Okay, first of all, that that's got to be a super, I mean, that, that, that's a lot of words. Uh, yeah, it's huge. And is this on the sidewalk or is it on the street? It's in a, it, well, it was in a crosswalk. Okay. That's, yeah. see, that's the problem with these tiles is, well, okay, there's some problems with the tiles. One of the problems with the tiles, because they're in the asphalt, and I didn't think of this until a couple of weeks ago, honestly, um, yeah. they are getting repaved. Oh, yeah. So this isn't there anymore. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, yeah, this tile, <laughs> this this tile, yeah, that's okay. You one, can yeah, yeah. Covered up. This is the only. This is the only anti-Semitic one I found. But oh, I'm good. very confident that they were made by the same person who's like making the rest of them. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but so what they're saying, this person was threatened at some point. Okay. And so they fled the country, and they mentioned how. Uh, someone with a baseball bat smashed in the lights and windows of the cars in their neighborhood. And I feel like, Dang. yes, I see if you're a conspiracy theorist, how that is so juicy for you. But at the same time, like that absolutely could have happened. Like, right. For sure. Yeah. Like where you live in, like someone's co- sorry. Yeah. It just happens sometimes. Totally. A hundred percent. So you, you get the general uh, vibe of this. Yes. Tyler. 100%. So. Yes. Who is making these tiles? Let's find out. All right. So Steve Wynick, Colin Smith, and Justin Durr did a ton of detective work trying to figure this out in the aughts. And that's like the heart and endocrine system of the documentary. Oh, good. Um, Justin Durr came across an article from March 13th, 1983 from the Philadelphia Inquirer. I should have mentioned. Yeah, the Inquirer is is just a local newspaper. I love the idea of them having so much money, like just a local, like the, I don't know, probably sixth largest city in America having this much power, but you know, dare to dream, Tyler. Yeah. So this 1983 article from the Philadelphia Inquirer, a piece by uh, Clark DeLeon, a journalist who still walks among us. Uh, The section was called The Scene in Philadelphia and its Suburbs. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of papers have a scene like that, a section. Um, This one, though, has one of my favorite titles ever. The title of this article was Theories, colon, want to run that one by me again? (laughs) Like, I would immediately subscribe to that podcast. 100%. That's so funny. (laughs) So, in Theories, want to run that one by me again, uh, Clark DeLeon details his skepticism over a theory from... Oh, you know what? I'm going to get a visual aid for you here. Um, So our suspected tile is number one. Okay. Local social worker, James Morasco. Also, Um, sorry. If you're, mm -hmm. if you're a Patreon subscriber, you're so lucky to see these props right now. (laughs) I'm not even sure what I'm looking at, but I like it. (laughs) It's a, this is a, uh, some listener of my show sent me this. Oh my God. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, It's scented. And I asked him, this is for gastro from yeah. dinner plates, in case you want to know. I asked him, it's scented, like something. And I asked him what it was. And he wrote back, oh, I used Halloween mix. What? What is that? What is that? <laughs> Thank you for nothing. 
<laughs> yeah. What is this horoscope computer box? Oh, it's just, it's, it has a horoscope computer inside it. It looks what is like a this. horoscope computer. It, um, well, we can play with it later if you want. Uh, yes. Yeah. You just enter in, there's a switch on the side so you can set it for yourself or your partner. Yeah. Um, and then you just enter in, you enter in the date you want to know about and then tell it what sign you are. And then it tells you, like, if you're like wondering, you know, tomorrow, for example, how are, how are things going to work out for, for Alan? Yeah. I don't know. We can just find out though. You ask about specific things, like not your day in general, but if you want to know about love, money, right. spirit, whatever that might mean, like you have a selection. So it's, it's very specific. Oh my God. Is it from the eighties or is it like recent? It's from, uh, 1978. Incredible. Yeah. So okay. it still it still works just as well as it did when it was new, <laughs> just like it was yesterday. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to bonus episodes, shoutouts, merchandise discounts, and more. Please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to become one of our bimbo patrons. Also, if you are a patron, you have the chance to host or guest host your own episode. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five-star review, we will shout you out on the podcast. Also, Erios has a hotline, 626-604-6262. Thank you. It's really been popping off, and we've been getting tons of messages so far, and please keep them coming. We will play them at our eventual mailbag episodes. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So this is James Morasco. This is our uh, suspected tireless number one. He's a local social worker. Uh, the following is from the DeLeon article. So Morasco said that the planet Jupiter 
would be colonized by bringing all of the people on Earth who had ever died back to life and then changing Jupiter's atmosphere to allow them to live. There are no scientific principles I've found that can make this possible, Morasco said, especially colonizing the planet Jupiter, which has a very poisonous atmosphere. Okay, see, all minuses for Jupiter, sorry. Size, size, great, everything else. (laughs) No. The possibility of giving that planet an oxygen atmosphere is beyond even science fiction writers' imaginations. Now, that quote may sound as if Morasco doesn't believe it can be done, but that's not true. He thinks that between Toynbee and Stanley Kubrick, there is a way to pull it off. That's why he's contacting talk shows and newspapers to spread the message. He's even founded a Jupiter colonization organization called the Minority Association. What? That's kind of a letdown, I think. Yeah. Like, I'm in favor of naming organizations that reflect their purpose. Like who the Minority Association, like even if you were like, God, I really wish I had some colleagues that I could talk to about repopulating Jupiter with our dead, you wouldn't think the minority association no, is where you would go. Yeah, no, no, that's not a good name. Not helping themselves. Yeah. So Dillion said he spoke with Morasco, who was from a working class background near the Fishtown neighborhood in Philadelphia, educated uh, with a soft voice. Uh, the minority association could be heard for a time over Philadelphia area shortwave radio. Their broadcasts included a P.O. box where you could send away for minority association documents, like detailing the organization's mission. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. This reminds me a little bit of like the uh, Jejun Institute. Was that Mm -hmm. it from uh, San Francisco? Yeah. Weird. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. The weird like, um, uh, I don't even know. It was like a, a scavenger hunt through the city and people didn't know if it was like a real thing or a fake thing. Like it, it seems similar. Well, I feel like it gets like, that's it. I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause I mean, for some people, yeah, it was really real. And for some people it's just, it was just fun. Right. And I think Toynbee tiles are a lot like that. Cause whoever's making them is obviously very serious about it. Yeah. But they also are just like cool to see. Like it was always right. nice to see a little, a little Toynbee well, tile. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, okay. Let's do suspected tile is number two. Uh, a tile was spotted in Santiago, Chile. So the tile is traveling. Wow. That contained a very, a specific South 9th Street, Philadelphia address. Like everything was in there. So that address um, belonged to Railroad Joe, Julius Paroli, who was a resident from in the 1970s and 80s of this exact address. Paroli was a railroad foreman and came from something I had never considered existing, a family of tombstone carvers. Yeah. Of course, that's a job. I never even thought of that either. And it's a, a family biz. I mean, now do just like machines do that? Like, do they just put the tombstone in like, I don't, I don't even know, like, does like a laser printer make tombstones now? But that's crazy. Got, that- yeah. There's got to be like a high end, low end of tombstones by now. Yeah. You know, oh, that's so interesting. I never even thought of that. I though wait, do you, is the low end having the laser cut and the high end having like a, you know, railroad Joe's family do it for you? I think, or is I it think probably, yeah. I think uh, having a person do it would be the high end maybe. Yeah. I don't, that's all, that would be good to know. Cause like tombstone, 
you know, tombstone culture always changing. Yeah. What are the I trends? Like, how, I right? God, uh, I need to. Yeah, uh, get up with the, it. Yeah, I need. There, I'm sure that there's a shortwave radio show all about this that yeah, we just need to get on top of. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's a Playboy article about it. I'm sure there is. Uh, okay, then let's go. Suspected Tylus number three. This is just the crap I have on my desk, by the way. <laughs> these are, yeah, I'm like these are whatever you want them to yeah. be. Okay. Okay. Oh, so, I'll interject real quick. And this is that we won't talk about it, but like there's a San Francisco gate article, dying craft, the art of handstone carving tombstones. Ooh. So yeah. It's a, dying, it's a dying art. Yeah. And also it sounds like you're right. And that's the high end. Like, yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. Also, I mean, of course, it's dying arts, tombstones. What the hell? Yeah. Oh, but um, boom. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way that they would have allowed them to title anything else. Like, I hope the articles about how the business is like booming. Booming. Yeah. Like they cannot. There's just people are dying too quickly. We cannot deal with this. But it's the dying art. That's so funny. Okay. Continue. Okay. So, titles number three. So the aforementioned South Philly Ninth Street address is the current home of Severino Verna, who is a quiet longtime resident. Like, it sounds like he's pretty unassuming. Mm. Um, He plays the piano and the accordion and he keeps to himself. But that address is pretty damning. Like, that's pretty much what we're going on here. So James Marasco, who has been contacting talk shows and journalists about the Minority Association. Then we have Railroad Joe, who can easily travel you know, fairly undetected right. and has carving capability. And then someone who plays the accordion, but like, you know, the same address. So let's, let's keep, we'll keep them all in there. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a, at first glance, do you, do you have a feeling who, who do you think it is? I think maybe it's Rail- one of them. Railroad Joe, maybe with okay. like the carving capabilities and things like that. Yeah. Is I like Railroad guess. Joe for this too. Yeah. Um, especially the traveling out, like, cause just because they would show up in random places. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So let's take a look at the suspects. So attempts to contact Severino Verna have been pretty unsuccessful. Uh, but his mother, Esther told Justin Durr in the documentary that Verna has a lung condition and that prevents him from traveling. So okay. He's out. Not, not great. Okay. Railroad Joe is a candidate. I like to, um, since he can just ride the rails, the tiles are like, you know, forged with some kind of knowledge of yeah. carving. Uh, he died in 1987. So no. without a working toy B converter, like without a time machine, not the suicide yeah. one. Um, it'd be hard to explain the last three decades of tiles. Fuck. So then we've got James Marasco. <laughs> so before we talk about James Marasco more, which we we're going to do, uh, we have to take a little break to talk about David Mamet. Oh. Play, right. Uh, in 1983, Mamet wrote a play called 4 a.m. about people calling in to late night uh, talk radio shows. Somehow this play was not on my radar. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Mamet later mentioned being part of the listenership of Larry King's talk radio show okay. before he wrote the play. Mamet. Uh, so documents from James Morasco's Minority Association mention Arnold Toynbee's conception of the colonization of outer space as depicted in the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey. 
So we have access, like someone kept the minority association documents who just like listened to the the radio yeah. show and called in. So they didn't know anything about the members of it. They just had the documents. So we know they definitely talk about 2001 A Space Odyssey and James Toynbee in it. Um, I have an excerpt from the play. Would you like to? Yes. Would you like to? Do you want to be the interviewer or the caller? I want to be the interviewer. Okay. All right. <laughs> Okay, so an announcer seated at a radio console desk, that's you, uh, he wears earphones and speaks into a microphone. We hear the voice of a caller over a loudspeaker. Hello, you're on the air. Hello, Greg, how are you? I'm fine. Good. Greg, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I had the pleasure of talking to you three and one half years ago, and I've been a continual listener of yours since you started out with 22 stations, and I admire you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. What's your problem? (laughs) Greg, we need your help to publicize our plan. We've been trying to get our organization together to raise money to be able to hire a public relations firm like Wells and Jacoby to publicize our organization. Where are we going to get the money? I don't know. To publicize your... In the movie 2001, based on the writings of Arnold Toynbee, they speak of the plan. Excuse me, excuse me, but the movie 2001 was based on the writings... All human life is made of molecules. Based on the writings of Arthur C. Clarke. Greg, in the writings of Arnold Toynbee, he discusses a plan whereby all human life could easily be reconstituted on the planet Jupiter. Uh Uh-huh. Greg? Yes? I'm listening. Greg? Yes. As we're made of molecules, Greg, and the atoms of all human life that have ever lived are still on all of us. Okay, I got it. They exist. They've just been rearranged. Yes. So? We'd like to publicize our organization, Greg. We're very young. We've just been in existence over a year, and we want to publicize our theory. And, Greg, we don't know how. You, uh, how do you publicize your plan to bring dead people back to life on Jupiter? Yes. Why? Why would you want to do this? Hello? Yes. Why would you want to do this? You see what I'm saying to you? What is the aim of your group? Greg. What are your plans? I. What? I, Greg, I told you. You said you want to bring dead people back to life. Yes. On the planet Jupiter. Just as they showed us in the movie. Well, I'm not sure that's what the movie was about, but be that as it may, why would you want to do that? Oh, Greg, you can't mean it. Well, yes, I mean it. Why would you, what's the idea? You're walking down the street. There's Abraham Lincoln. Is that the idea? Yes. So anybody that you want to talk to so forth, there they are. Is that the idea? Yes. Who do you pick? Who picks them? You, your organization, or do you just bring them all back? What is your, I mean, do you have a program for this or what are your goals? To bring. Not, it's too broad. It's too broad. Don't you see what I'm talking about? You can't bring them all back. 
Can you? I don't know. That's enough. You get the idea, <laughs> right? That's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing that someone thought it would be a good idea to write a play that's somebody who's just sitting in a control room. I'm not saying it's bad, yes. but like, let's, <laughs> you have to prove it to me that it's good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's probably not good. Okay. So in an NPR interview, Mamet told Joe Ro- Joel Rose that there was no call on the radio. People used to ask me where I get my ideas. And I say, I think of them. Hmm. Okay, the guys behind ToynbeeIdea.com, Wynick, Smith, and Durr, are extremely generous and non-libelous about this issue. I want to say, whether Mamet thinks that he just, like, came up with this idea, the explanation of where he gets his ideas just stinks. Mm. Like, asking, (laughs) it's asking too much of creators to demand they speak, like, eloquently about their work. Like, I don't expect visual artists to always be able to be terrific at explaining their stuff because like they would have maybe just like written an essay instead of, you know. Exactly. Yes, totally. So lame. I just think of them like that sucks. That needs workshopping. All right. (laughs) So as for the incredible coincidence of, yes, he used to listen to the Larry King show who definitely had a James Morasco from the Minorities Association calling in and the amazing work you and I just did doing <laughs> that, that dramatic recreation. Yes. Yeah. I be- I really believed that I was talking to somebody over the phone. I did too. I honestly think that like we have a career here with like voiceovers okay. or something acting. Yeah. I mean, the play can only get more exciting from there because yes. it has to. <laughs> um, but yeah, saying that it's just a coincidence for those two, like, wow, I don't believe it. No. Not at all. Sorry. I know that David Mamet's one of your listeners. Just, you know what? He can, Jesus, like, come on, man. Like, you didn't make that up. No. Right. So James Morasco is a good candidate for the Toynbee Tyler, right? Yes. So when he was tracked down, it turns out that he is not from Fishtown. He is from the highfalutin neighborhood of Chestnut Hill. Especially, like, right now, Fishtown is, like, hopping and bobbing. They... You know, any restaurant you go to there will have seitan wings. That's how you know it's been gentrified. Yeah. So, um, uh, but at the time, you know, 30 years ago, Fishtown Party was like, you better bring beer and a flashlight. Chestnut Hill Party is like, you're not even on the guest list. Like, you need to get into your, like, you're part of the catering staff. Like, you're not (laughs) invited. Okay. So the thing is, though, okay, so James Morasco not like definitely not a working class background also he had his voice box removed years and years ago which like does make it hard to call into radio shows so like that's not it's not great yeah i'm not i'm not gonna let him go anywhere it's just like let's yeah (laughs) it turns out that call-in shows and tiles were not the toynbee tyler's only methods of communication there's been some mention of wheat paste posters with similar messages from the early 80s but like None of them have survived and, you know, no one just, people didn't just walk around with cameras on them all the time. So like, there's no photos that I found at least of these wheat paste flyers. Um, though also there's a report and again, this is like, so it's like hearsay about the wheat paste flyers, just like a television message from 1985. So mm-hmm. during the 11 PM news, someone jammed a signal so viewers could see the broadcaster, but they were hearing different audio. 
So the audio they were hearing um, had a brief message that was a lot like what is printed on the tiles. Oh my God. But there's, you know, there's no record for this. Like no one was recording the news that oh, night. Right. Yeah. So it's just like people like remembering like, yeah, I was a kid. Like when I was a kid, like I was trying, I was just watching TV Something and like weird this happened. weird message. Yeah. yeah. So then we have shortwave radio. Apparently in the late 80s and early 90s, there so there was a shortwave radio broadcast from the Philadelphia area where you could get minority association documents. Huh. Um, so the dudes from the documentary headed to a shortwave radio convention. I'm sure also someplace that, I don't know, it seems half halfway, I'm very interested in the shortwave radio convention, but also <laughs> like there's no, someone's got... Someone's talking about Helion Jews at the shortwave radio. A hundred percent. You know, like, yes. yeah. <laughs> like someone is selling t-shirts that say Helion Jews. Yeah. I don't know if also. they'd want me there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they go to the shortwave radio convention to see if anyone remembers anything about the supposed Tyler's radio show. Huh. And one of the attendees mentioned that a guy with a show that sounds like the minority association show once asked him if they could share a P.O. box so people he could send out documents. And that guy was named Severino Verna. So, Eyeball. OK, you know, what's funny is my first instinct was I think it's the person maybe who I least suspected is. And that was Severino. That's how they get you. Yes, they know that. I'm not sure if he does, but like most of the time, I think they do. Yeah. OK, so. This listener back in the day also still had some of these minority association documents. Like, it's crazy to me that they even exist still. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Though, the shortwave broadcaster, like, if you listen to the show, was named James Jimmy Morasco. So, like, what what are we doing here? Who, what's, okay. What? Still lying down because no voice box, but, like. Yeah. All right. So, here's the thing. Morasco passed away several years ago. And his widow insists that he was not the Toynbee Tyler. Though, like, she would say that, right? Yeah. Uh, the other thing, according to the information from the Minority Association documents that still exist, Morasco, the author, happens yeah. to have the same P.O. box, phone number, and some say handwriting as Severino Verna. What? Hmm. So here's the thing. Remember, so the tiles are commonly found in like crosswalks and like exposed like centers of traffic. Yeah. So it turns out, according to Verna's neighbors, who's like, if you watch this documentary, such a great South Philly cast of characters, great fashion, like amazing accents, terrific. So Verna's car had no passenger seat, which like, you know, times are tough. I get it. Yeah. But it also had no passenger side floorboard. There's just a big hole in the car. So that means if one had something they wanted to deposit, like a tile packet, they could just stop at the intersection, drop it, and then discreetly peel away. Oh, my God. No one's the wiser. Another thing I should mention, Verna has a shortwave radio antenna attached to his car, and his neighbors complained that when he'd drive by, it would jam the signal on the TV. You see where I'm going with this? Verna? Yeah. Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah. So 
Attempts to contact Verna have as yet yielded no response, um, unless you count the numerous tiles that continue to appear throughout the country. And I feel like Verna would count those tiles as communicating, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yes. In his own way. That's how he's communicating. Yeah. Um, and he still lives at that address. I. What? Here's the thing. So something else important around that block, there used to be lots of little Toynbee scraps. Like, just, like, random letters and stuff, as if someone was making test tiles. Interesting. And I feel like I saw, I was thinking, like, God, I saw so many more of these when I was a kid. I mean, like, yes, for one thing, they exist, more of them just existed when I was a kid because of street repaving. Right. But also... Like you're a kid, you're lower to the ground. Like you, I just feel like it's. Yeah, you notice that more. So I wanted to see if any of the little scraplets still exist. Um, so I took my kids downtown to Verna's block. Oh my God. To respectfully go down to Verna's block because like they're little, like they can get down you know, yeah. on the ground. Like, this isn't a liar. Like, I'm not kneeling down to look. <laughs> you know? Incredible. <laughs> so, we look and look, and, like, we have, you can go online to find, like, maps that people are constantly I updating of yeah. where the tiles are. I was accidentally using a dead map, and I didn't realize it for about Uh-oh. three hours. Um, <laughs> but we we found one just a black, it was a letter T or an L, I couldn't tell. And it was, and also it was a black tile on asphalt. Like it was like the most boring That's possible so tile. <laughs> it was like, I'm so, like, I made them walk around for three hours. Oh my we God. We hardly found anything. Um, <laughs> they were Family like, well, why are we doing that? Yeah. <laughs> then I went back to my neighborhood and of course you there find. was a new toy mm-hmm. tile. There's a new tile. A so, new one. Yes. Because, okay. Not all of the tiles are Toynbee. There's other people making them. Like I sent you one that looks like kind of a skeleton man. Yeah, yeah, Like stick man is some tiler. Though some people know who that is and some people, I don't. And I would like to continue to not know. Yeah. Um, And like I sent you one that's a little crab with a googly eye. Like people just make crazy ones. Oh, and also, so how, so people make like cutesy ones, like near me, there's a, a little stick man and a peace sign. Like those are obviously not Toynbee tiles, right. but like, I love to see it. Cause they're so totally. like anyone could make them. Like it's really cheap to make yeah. these things. Yeah. Um, also house of Hades, who I can't figure out if they're anonymous or not. It seems like it's many people might be constituting house of Hades. House of Hades make very very similar twin details like they're still behind the resurrect idea but i don't know how they're making their tiles because they don't last for some reason like they seem to like fall apart they just they look it's just another um tile maker okay got it but they're in they definitely have had some in la but like they only last for a couple years it seems like before they kind of chip off so they can be hard to find like there's more in new york but okay Anyway, I'm very pro people making these tiles. Yeah, I think they're cool. Um, actually, oh, I can tell you. So, Justin Durr, I was wondering, like, if he was a Toynbee purist or if he's, like, excited to see these yeah. other tiles. Um, so, I asked him, as repaving continues, it can be crushing to return to the spot where a tile once lay. But maybe this is just the life cycle of the tile. Like, maybe I could be more groovy about it. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the tiles we lose and the lack of permanence for all tiles? 
So Justin said, one of the brilliant things about asphalt mosaic as an art form is its permanence relative to wheat pasted flyers or spray paint, marker graffiti, but it's still ephemeral. I've seen tiles that lasted just a few days and others that survived over a decade. Wow. I accept that as the nature of the art form, though, of course, it's nice to have photos. Like there's so many, like if people know they got to take a picture of these things because they're going yeah, to go away. Yeah, go away, yeah. Uh, for some, like there's lots of old like Flickr accounts is like a very rich vein for these photos. Oh, wow. For some of the 90s, tiles, the drugstore disposable camera photos I took were the only photographic evidence I know of. I'm certain there were earlier tiles, but there's just no photographs that exist of them. Or if they do, they're like in a shoebox, you know, somewhere. Hmm. The saddest thing is how there's no efforts to preserve them for museums, etc. The way Banksy pieces are, who, by the way, also is a criminal, just let's keep that in mind. Yeah. There have been rumors over the years the city was going to preserve some that were in the path of street repaving or construction, but time and again, I see them destroyed without a second thought. A sad comment on how little care is given to cultural artifacts in our society. Interesting. Okay. And I asked, what do you make of the copycat tiles from House of Hades or the little skeletons, stick man popping up now and then? Are they of no consequence or do they still have some allure for you as a tile enthusiast? And Justin said, I love all of those. I love Stickman and House of Hades. I especially love the House of Hades tiles that aren't all copycats, but just completely abstract or very intricate mosaics. Like some of the House of Hades tiles just say the original Toynbee message, but some of them are like, you know, shaking it up a little bit. Oh, that's great. There's one House of Hades tile that it looks like part of the tile is a mosaic of like a just looking at like a a naked woman with her legs spread but from underneath like it's not as it's like not even as like erotic as what I just said like it's just like it's just like legs oh that's Um, so cool (laughs) every once in a while see someone put it online but like blurred (laughs) it out it's so not graphic though I'm looking at them right now there there's some really cool like original ones okay I once met a house of Hades Tyler at a music show I played in Buffalo All I can say is their dedication is intense and their artistry and craftsmanship is awe-inspiring. I actually feel like they've taken Toynbee tile art form and elevated it, or at least shown new possibilities as to what is possible with asphalt tile mosaic art. I'd love to see more people experiment with the art form. I especially love the non-tech stuff. I wish the streets were just filled with mosaic tile work. Stickman is a little different because the tiles, I think, are not mosaics. Oh, this is news to me. But mm. reflecting tape that comes in rolls cut into oh. the Stickman shape, which is weird. Like, they last for a long time, though. Yeah. Stickman started out doing inventive street art, such as popsicle stick sculptures, glued to newspaper boxes, and just branched out into tiles as an extension of that. I have a friend who knows Stickman, though I have never met them. Mysterious. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Justin, you've worked on bringing other hidden or forgotten artists into the spotlight. Like his, what he does seems like what he does now is he will find like a illustrator that's like been lost to time and do a ton of research on them, like to make the first ever like book about this person. Like he just, it seems like he just like moves from like hidden art to hidden art. Cause you know what Um, I kind of, I was about to say, uh, mm -hmm. have you ever seen the documentary, um, searching for Sugarman? About the it, it was about this musician oh, who yeah. was like lost to time, and I feel like he's doing the same thing with artists. Yeah, it's great. Like it's so like now, 
even if someone hasn't done a ton of research about like a specific artist, yeah. a lot of people have done a little bit. So it's easier to find and kind of like group everything together. Well, cool. that's really cool. The common ethos for many of these people uh, trying to hide their precious like cultural excavations um, like is kind of something I've seen a lot in like punk culture personally. Yeah. Like, oh, I know about this really cool thing. Like, I need to, like, keep it away from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about these shadowed works? If only there was a word for that. I don't know. Uh, something gay-related. Who can say? <laughs> what about these shadowed works makes you want to focus your energy on promoting them? And what would your ideal outcome be for the relationship the general public has with Herbert Crowley's work, who is this lost illustrator, or the Toynbee Tiles? Justin said, Yes, that is sort of a born sense, born of a sense of wanting to bring a kind of justice to the world or a desire to show that there is so much deserving and incredible work that is just lost or ignored. There's an overall message to it all. It's me trying to say, open your eyes, look around and wonder. There's incredible stuff everywhere. There's stuff as important as anything they tell you. Mm. Love that he said that. It's important right in your neighborhood right under your nose. You just have to see it. Uh Any privilege I have to be able to highlight work I love, I will take. There's no end to it. I love learning history firsthand by going through archives, reading the primary source documents as they call them. I love finding all those obscure histories and bringing them to light. It's almost an addiction for me. It definitely gives me an endorphin rush. I hate fake history and made up nonsense. Well, yeah, takes takes all kinds. (laughs) The truth is always more interesting and more challenging and nuanced. If you're open to being taught by it and being humble instead of going into it, wanting to impose a preset narrative. And he let me know what he's working on right now. Yeah, I'd love to know. At this moment, I have a crowdfunding campaign going for an art book and biography of one of my favorite artists, Renee Leshner. Renee was an artist who a member of a Philly-based nonprofit that showcased the work of self-taught or outsider artists. I was also a member, and that's how I came to know her work. We exhibited together from 2008 to 2012. Um, I think she passed away in 2012. Renee was a mediumistic artist who used her work to conduct... Whoa! As a conduit to communicate with the spirit realm, yes. And she developed an instantly recognizable, bold style. I also have an article about... Gladys and Dorothea Cromwell, twins who were poets and authors who volunteered as Red Cross nurses in Europe during World War I. They committed, I would say completed, a double homicide by leaping from the ship that was carrying them home to New York in 1919. Oh, my God. What a big swing. Yeah. Jesus. So that will be published by JSTOR in November. And will include lots of never seen materials. In case you don't know, JSTOR is like a giant online library for publishing. It gives me, you know it gives it? me like college PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you said that, I was like, no. <laughs> I did not like it. Um, oh my God. First of all, incredible that you got an interview. How do you, I'm curious, how did you re how did you reach him? I you know what? I've lived in Philadelphia a really long time. And yeah. he, I think I just got lucky. Like he's a nice person who's also from Philadelphia. Yeah. It turns out I have friends who play in bands no, with him. him and his wife. Oh my like, God. I've never met him, but I was just, I was at a party and I mentioned Toynbee tiles and I thought 
everyone who lives in Philly like knows what these are because they're just everywhere. Right. Um, but it turns out if you moved here when you were like 30, there's a good reason why you might not know what they yes. are. And someone's like, oh God, you sound like Justin is always going on about them. Like he's so into those tiles. The person who told me had no, didn't know about this documentary or anything like it. They were just like, oh, you want to talk someone's ear about these tiles? Talk yeah. To this guy. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm he- tired of listening to you, Sally. Please talk to somebody else. Oh my God. And then you're like, wait, he's the guy. Yeah. Um, Sally, this was like the coolest episode ever. And also like it included so much like dramatic readings and interview, clueless references. Um, I love it. Um, Will you tell everyone, because I'm sure they'll want to listen about your podcast again and where they can find it and what it's called and all that? Yes, absolutely. You can listen to Thick Lines easily on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Did you know people use that to listen to things? No um, idea, but that's amazing. Yeah, uh, it really is. Yeah. yeah. Like, way to go. Every once in a while, I get an email that someone has mm-hmm. shared my episode on SoundCloud. I'm like, you go, girl. That's so funny. Yeah. And you can also listen to all uh, my rap singles on SoundCloud <laughs> as well. Perfect. <laughs> you know, I think the same person is sharing this. Yeah, seriously. Um, um Sally, thank you so much. This was so amazing. You'll have to come back again because uh, I'm sure you are a wealth of interesting information. I can just like tell that about you. But you're like cool. You're I try. cool, aren't you? Like you're. Yes. <laughs> I, that's why I have all these toys on my desk, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just feel like you're one of those people, like if you were invited to a party, you'd have like interesting things to talk about. Well, apparently not yeah. tiles though. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, amazing. Well, oh, and also can people, uh, do you have like, are you, what's your name on the discord? Is there anywhere people oh. can follow you on social media or anything like that? Yeah. Uh, I'm Sally Madden almost everywhere, except <laughs> that is actually a really common pen name and I should not have chosen it. Oh so God. every once in a while it has to be dear Sally Madden, but like on Instagram, <laughs> it's just Sally underscore Madden on the discord. It's just Sally Madden. It's awesome. just Sally Madden. And just look for uh, Thick Lines is the name of the show or Thick Lines Pod if you're searching for it. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Sally, thank you so much. Uh, this has been Sally and Allie's Web Crawlers. Um, and thank you so much for listening. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.